0: Hello everyone, this is Dovi Shapiro and this is part two of the interview with Rabbi Mendel Samuels on the topic of dispelling myths in Chabad. I just want to begin with thanking our sponsors. I would like to thank Spotsman Jewelers and the Smetana Group. Thank you for making the Shluchim podcast available to all Shluchim.
1: So the very concept and the very idea that there somehow comes some chauvinism going on is silly. And here, here's sort of the coup de grace, the ultimate point. In Judaism, according to our Holy Torah, in order to be Jewish, one's mother has to be Jewish. Our Jewish identity is based solely on our mother. Your father can be the chief rabbi. If your mother isn't Jewish, you aren't Jewish. What tribe you're from, a Koyan, a Levi, etc., that's uh, patrilineal. That goes after the father. But your essence of who you are, that's your mother so if we are a chauvinistic religion in any way if if Torah, God forbid, seems to look down at women, how silly is that that here we have a Torah that tells us that the only way to be Jewish is your mother has to be Jewish and the, the ultimate irony is that today in the reform and conservative world they want that the father should be Jewish, you're also Jewish not understanding that they themselves are putting women down Here, the Torah tells you that your mother has to be Jewish in order for you to be Jewish. And here, they themselves, who claim to be all uh, inclusive, say, nah, we want it. If your father's Jewish, you should be Jewish also. So, here, once again, we see a clear distinction between what we really, what the Torah really says, and yet again, what the misconception of so many, and because of it, people go, well, you don't respect women, etc. Here, we see quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. The mother is what creates Judaism. And without it, you, you can do whatever you want. You can be a holy person. But you aren't Jewish. And here people fight all the time to say we need to make, you need to make the, the, the father Jewish. That is in fear, I don't understand. Here we're giving credence and credit to the woman. The same is true with the bar and bat mitzvah. The Torah tells us that a woman is more mature at a younger age. That's why the bat mitzvah is twelve. And the boy is 13. Yet again, the secular world says that's not fear. So today, the average bat mitzvah girl waits until 13, because that sounds more equal. So the same people who claim that we're denigrating women make a girl wait another year, even though the Torah says she's mature enough to have her bat mitzvah at 12. Our Torah, by its very definition, considers women to be of the higher spiritual rate, and we see it in the way Hashem, God, created the world. He created the least first, this, the inanimate objects, the stone, and so on, growing matter, finally animal, and ultimately human being. And what was the final creation? a woman who was created in his image who was created in perfection that's why those 8 mitzvot that women are not obligated and men are obligated is not because women are less but quite the opposite we look at mitzvot like a vitamin deficiency and the mitzvot fill what we are missing the reason women are not obligated in those mitzvot is because they don't have that issue And one particular mitzvah, the mitzvah of circumcision, one can say, well, it's not for women. How come you don't hear women groups running around screaming, there should be a bris for women? We would call that barbaric, because physically there isn't a bris for a woman. And quite the opposite, not to get into the Hasidic philosophy of Moshe, we see that Moses was born, and he was Nilad Mol, and we, the Torah tells us that he was considered of the highest level because he had the characteristic of a woman. He was born already with a bris. He was born with completion. So again and again, it's dispelling this myth and this silly idea that women are of a less important nature. And I have to tell you on a side note between Shluchim, uh, sitting with Balabatim and sitting with husbands and wives and counseling, anybody who thinks that somehow in the secular world women are treated as equals has something else coming to them. It's the farthest thing from the truth. I cannot tell you how many times I've had couples sitting are uh, the most open-minded and liberal and so on and so forth, and yet when it comes down to it, they treat their wives horrifically, and they don't respect them, and they don't think of them as equals and so on. So. Our holy Torah, already many, many, many moons ago, uh, is way ahead of its curb. Uh, we had women who were prophetesses, who were the head of the Jewish people. Devorah Hanavia, she was the prophetess. Khulda Hanavia, she was the one who authenticated our holy Torah. Women throughout the ages have always been in, in leadership positions, and the whole notion and idea that they're anything but holy, and in our opinion, according to Hasidic philosophy, on a much higher spiritual level, is anything but the truth.
0: Once we're on this subject, let's talk about two more things. How do you respond to the fact that you can't shake a woman's hand? That's a phenomenal
1: question. So I I explain it in two ways. Again, start always with a joke. My wife is very jealous and etc. But I, I, I say something very interesting. I say, first of all, did you know that the Lubavitcher my rabbi, our leader, that I would never dream of shaking his hand? And I have to tell you that usually takes the breath away. What do you mean? I say, this is a man who not only I respect, that, that, that's, that's uh, you know the most understated thing. He is, he is the, the, the tzaddik of the generation. I wouldn't dream of touching him because he is inaccessible to me. He is much holier than I am and it is disrespectful for me to touch him. We have a Torah scroll that sits behind a curtain. We wouldn't think of touching it without a cover because it would be disrespectful. The idea of touch is a very holy and very intimate thing. And when something is beyond us or holier than us, the way to show that respect is by not touching. In the Far East, this is something quite accepted already. People bow to each other instead of shaking hands, because shaking hands is too intimate. That's from a spiritual standpoint. Physically, the law in in code of Jewish law describes it quite powerfully, and I'll use a statistic that I I, I forgot the, the numbers, but there, there's some shocking numbers of, of of women at the age of 18. I don't know three out of every five or whatever it is were either molested in some manner or in the other, and the study attributes it because there is the idea of touch between man and woman is so commonplace and is so okay that the boundaries. ...are almost non-existent, and to respect a woman is to not be intimate with her in any way, but to deal with her like any other human being, and that's why intimacy, men and women by nature are sexual beings... And uh, there's no question that there is attraction, specifically men. Textile, any kind of touch is attraction by a man. And in order for us not to put ourselves ever into that type of inappropriate place, we put distance between us. The woman is not accessible to me. She is my equal intellectually. She is my equal in every way. But I don't have a right to hug and kiss her. And I have to tell you, throughout my time, uh, throughout my life, I cannot tell you how many times I've spoken to non-religious women who say, I can't tell you how offended I am that men think it's okay that I've never met to give me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. And I love always talking to people who want to say it's just being friendly. I say, really? So how come when a pretty woman, quote-unquote, walks into the show, or someone you perceive as pretty, uh, you become Venezuelan? You kiss her on both cheeks, you're hugging her. When someone comes to the show that you don't find very attractive, you're Chinese, you're bowing, you're not touching – said there is no question that the idea of touch or hug is a sexual connection. And it is inappropriate in every way. And the idea that it's just platonic is, is somewhat of a myth, in my opinion. Uh, as much as you want to an attractive woman shakes a hand with a man, there is an instant attraction, especially from the man's perspective, and it's inappropriate. And so to show respect... As it says in the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, Do not talk a lot with the woman. And I've heard the comments, uh, there are commentaries that say, what does it mean with a woman? Again, it sounds like a chauvinistic statement. Don't talk a lot with women. It says with the woman. Meaning, if you talk to a woman based on the fact that she is a woman, not based on the fact that she is an equal human being, then you're already getting into trouble. A woman should be talked to just like any other human being. And respected. And we don't blur those those boundaries because it's inappropriate and ultimately that's where all the trouble starts off. In, in the workplace or wherever it is, people are way too familiar, the sexes are way too familiar and ultimately this causes a major problem for so many reasons. It's the, it's the perfect storm. You had a fight with your wife this morning, the secretary happens to be very nice to you and she's indebted to you because you're giving her a nice salary and so on and so forth and those boundaries begin to fade and there's a reason why there's a 60% of avoid- there's a reason why there is so much uh, inappropriate relationships going outside of the marriage there's a reason for that and one of that is is because the boundaries are not respected
0: okay now what, what would you do in the moment I mean this is something which you can explain if someone asks this question at a class in school maybe but in the moment when you' when someone when a woman sticks out their hand to shake your hand how do you respond in that moment it's an instant moment
1: I always Immediately apologize. I say I'm so sorry. I do not shake, and then immediately I say, "Would you like to know why?" Ninety-nine percent of women say yes. The few percent that say, the one percent that says, "I know, I know," because I'm menstruating or some silly notion. I just start laughing. I said it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. Uh, they're, they're again myths. I know you're not allowed to touch women because we're unholy, we're impure, or whatever silly notion they have. And immediately, it gives me an opportunity. The mayor of our town is a woman. The first time I met her many years ago, I had to walk into her office. There were all these executives, and she put out her hand. Immediately, I had to explain that I couldn't. And, and, and I have to tell you, it made a tremendous difference. It created a tremendous respect, and most of the women laughed and commented, I wish more men were like that. Because, again, I'm explaining that I am respecting them, not God forbid the opposite. It's the two-second explanation. I explained that the Queen of England, I wouldn't shake it, would be inappropriate, and, and, and so on and so forth. The idea of touch, it's not that I'm not shaking your hand because I disrespect you, but it's quite the opposite. I always get an opportunity to say something, and if at the last moment I can't find that opportunity, you know what? I believe very strongly that protects us and guides us and the notion that if I don't have a chance to explain I might as well just shake her hand so I don't make a Hashem, is saying that I don't really trust in Hashem's teda and that Hashem unless I give my brilliant my brilliant explanation is going to turn people off no I don't think so you're doing it because Hashem said to do it hopefully you have an opportunity to explain why you're doing it
0: how do you explain why women cannot lead the services and cannot be called up to the Torah Very, very
1: good. Both of those things, first of all, to explain, as we mentioned earlier, that there are eight mitzvot in the whole Torah that women are not obligated in, and those are the mitzvot that are time-bound. One of the greatest mitzvot uh, is where God tells women that they are equal partners to Him, and that they are involved in the process of creation, giving birth. This is not a denigration on women, quite the opposite. It is an awesome event. Imagine that we would have to obligate women To be at a particular prayer at a particular time, that would be impossible. It would cause a tremendous issue. It would cause a problem. The woman would not be able to be there because she just had a baby. We would be constantly... Here the Torah says any mitzvah that's zman grama, particular connected to time, a woman doesn't have that obligation. And in order for the person that quote-unquote leads the service to be able to lead it, The leader of the service is, by its very definition, fulfilling an obligation for us. That's why he's leading the care. And in order to fulfill an obligation for a mitzvah, for one person to the other, it must be done by someone who is themselves obligated. So by that very definition, the whole concept of prayer, etc., isn't done by women because they aren't obligated in these particular mitzvot, it would be what we call it wouldn't be fair to the synagogue because this person goes up and gets their fulfilling of their obligation. They get to do what they want, but everyone else doesn't fulfill their obligation because they are not obligated. That's why a woman lights Shabbos candles. Why doesn't the man also light? Because the woman is able to fulfill the obligation for the man because she has that obligation. But a mitzvah that she doesn't have the obligation... She can't fulfill it for someone else. The concept of prayer and the way we have it instituted today, it's interesting to note that Ezra the great scribe instituted these things because when the temple was destroyed and people were all scattered around, one of the main concepts of gathering together was for men. Because women, by definition, were very spiritual. But men were losing their spirituality. They were out in the field all day long. They weren't able to come together. They were slowly but surely looting their Judaism. And we instituted places of prayer so that they gather together. They come together to be elevated. And the concept of the Aliyah is exactly the same thing. The whole idea of the Aliyah is Ola la Torah, to be elevated. To elevate to what? To the status of a woman. We aren't at that level. We are constantly, there's a necessity to be elevated to that higher level. And because of that, women aren't brought up to the Torah because they don't have that obligation. Then the question comes, but they don't have to, can't they? And that would be like someone who isn't deficient in iron taking iron pills. It could be detrimental. And spiritually, there's a purpose and reason for every mitzvah. And I will tell you that anybody who says, but I want to, remind yourself of when your child comes to you and says, but I want this. Or I want that. And you say to your child, but you can't, it's not for you. And the child says, that's not fear. Why does my brother or sister get to have the pink medicine? And you have to explain, but you don't need medicine, thank God. You can't have it. And so on and so forth. So again, here is the same issue. The issue is, and it's a very important issue, is that the Torah makes it very, very, very clear that there are specific mitzvot for each individual. And I could argue the same thing like with Kedah and the Moshe. I want to be high priest or I want to be a Kohen. And it's not fair that I'm not a Kohen. And I find it disparaging to me and to my family that we're not Kohanim. But the fact is God gave each person a specific a specific mitzvah or mitzvot that they are to do to connect to God, and it's not for me to ask why this or that mitzvah. I once heard a very, very interesting take on it, Whereas someone said, really? So let's switch it all around. Let's make that women have to go to synagogue at 6 in the morning, put on towels and fill wear a yarmulke, grow a beard, wear tits in the hot summer day. Let's do that. Could you imagine the outcry? How come men don't have to get up early in the morning to pray? men don't have to get up to get an aliyah? Why don't men have to wear yarmulke? But we have to do all these things. Chauvinism. The truth of the matter is, there is nothing further than the truth. And I would urge every person who asks these questions to go to a Torah class by your local Chabad house and find out that all of the myths and the sillinesses that you've been fed for who knows how long are just that.
0: Thank you, Rabbi Samuels, for sharing with Shluchim about uh, your approach to these subjects and and your responses and how we could all learn from it. And uh, we all have to be able to have these answers at our disposal. We really appreciate your time.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: I would just like to add that there's a part three to this interview with Rabbi Mendel Samuels. This is Toby Shapiro, and I would once again like to thank all the Shluchim for your feedback and ideas. Keep them coming. All the ideas, I use them at some point, and uh, it really helps out. Thank you so much, and make it a great week.